Hey everyone, welcome to the Voices in Japan podcast with your hosts Ben and Burke. On today's show, we discuss some of the most ridiculous, common misconceptions that foreigners have about Japan. For example, all Japanese live in wooden houses, there are still samurai and geisha around, all Japanese love anime and manga. And much, much more. All right, enjoy the show. Should we get into it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm kind of the one who、uh, saw this、uh, article come up about the、uh, top five most ridiculous misconceptions about Japan. I read through it, and like, I would say that a lot of the stuff in here was kind of accurate. I, I felt like, first time reading it through, there were some things I didn't necessarily agree with. But、uh, yeah, we kind of do this every now and then, just these types of top- topics. And I think this one was kind of interesting. Did you, did you see the article? Yeah, it's quite,、uh, it's quite well written. The guy seems to be quite funny as well. The JapanInfo.com.、Mm. Um, I'm not sure if it's got the actual writer's name. Is it, is it the same guy that just writes all the articles, or is it like a bunch of writers contributing together? I don't know, but that's one guy giving all of the information on Japan, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. There's a, there's a lot of stuff on there. It's, good, it's a pretty good website. Yeah, I don't know who wrote it. Yeah. yeah. J- Japan Info or jpninfo.com if anyone wants to check that out.、Mm. Um, that's the article we're going to be referencing today. So, did you,、um, did you just look at these that are in the article or did you look at some separate ones too? I only just looked at these yeah, actually. Yeah, okay. The most,、uh, and then kind of discuss what we think, see if we agree with,、uh, with the writer. Yeah,、um, well, right out then. How about number one? All Japanese live in wooden houses and there are still samurai and geishas around. Well, there's definitely no samurais around, right?、Hmm. But there are geishas around、um, in Kyoto. I mean, you've seen some, I've seen some. I haven't seen any recently.、Uh, I think the, the last time I saw one was back in 2008, 2009, when my family came to visit and we went down to Kyoto. And just in a, yeah, just in the streets, just like a lot of geishas kind of walking around、um, or running around, some of them. The, you know, they kind of fast walk. I guess they take a lot of small steps because their kimonos are so tight, right? So they can't really run. Yeah. <laughs> and、uh, they're not like cruising around. They, they always seem to be like they're in a hurry, though, to get somewhere. I always feel like they're like avoiding the public because, you know, Especially with foreigners, if they see geisha, they want to take pictures and stuff. I always feel like they're trying to avoid those kind of people. Yeah, did you try? I was going to ask, did you try to take pictures with them? I didn't have enough time, man. They were running so fast. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh no. I、tourist. wanted to. <laughs> Go. But then, yeah, but then I was like, you know, I was with my, my sister and my mom, and I didn't want to, you know, seem like a bit of a dick, like stopping a random. 
Japanese person for a picture. Selfie, do that selfie for burn click. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that too, like about these wooden houses, definitely not in Hokkaido, man. You don't really see too much of the old, like, Japanese-style architecture for homes. Like, up in Hokkaido, it's basically just like a block with, like, a slanted roof to get the snow off. <laughs> you know, homes are a lot yeah. of times. Um, but what I will say is, do you, you, you see like those old, like wooden, like either homes, they used to be houses or else they're kind of like an old wooden store, but they're not being used. They're kind of just like caving in or something. They're just, they look like haunted houses or something like that. Yeah. There's like abandoned. Exactly. There's one like by our apartment building. It's kind of a pretty good location, but it's like in the middle of these other like apartment buildings, it's just like this dilapidated house with the roof caving in, like the back wall of the building is like caved inside. So it's like anybody could like, you know, be in there sleeping at night or something, <laughs> but it's like really dark and dirty, you know? Um, but you see those like pretty often. That's obviously not what they're talking about in this article. But Oh, right. Yeah. Not, not the, not the actual like log cabins that you kind of see on ski resorts, like in Rizutsu, for example, or Toyako, right? There's a lot of kind of modern, Western-looking wooden cabins that I guess um, the designs are kind of imported from uh, overseas rather than the, the tr- traditional Japanese ones that you're you're talking about. Yeah, so th- mm. those are basically the only types of wooden houses you see in Hokkaido. But these, uh, like, that's what I was kind of talking about the, on that episode with uh, Tomoko about the machia down in Kyoto, which are like you know old Japanese-style homes that have been like renovated inside cost a few hundred thousand dollars us or something and um yeah so it's kind of like living in an old style japanese home but modernized modernized mm. Mm. yeah yeah there's a really cool one in um hakodate is it hakodate yeah hakodate like in uh kind of high up oh, i'm not sure where it is but it's near the uh what is it what are the places in hakodate? Like look at lookout point yeah, yeah, and there's like a couple really? of restaurants and cafes, and then there's like a really old, traditional wooden house that's been refurbished. Um, and there's a an old couple that lived there, and it's I think it's worth like so much money. But it's pretty much the only house in that street, um, and it's a really touristy area of uh, coffee shops and restaurants. Actually, I think we might have gone in there to have ice cream. I don't know. Oh, that. As in that street? Probably that street, Yeah, that right? street, yeah, because the yeah. house wasn't on a corner, no, or the building. Mm. But it was kind of like an old-style wooden home house. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then and then there's like a, an actual family that live kind of near where you went in one of those old Japanese-style houses. But, you know, it's been like renovated, so it's all like kind of new and, and modern-looking. But they've kept like the outer frame. Mm. So uh, So the insides are all kind of done up new hmm. you know hmm. what else you don't see in in hokkaido really are the tiled rooftops that you see down in honshu and kyushu on right. homes you know like that's always like i kind of look at that and i always feel like it's i'm in japan when i see that type of stuff because it you know it's just like a res- regular residential house but um you know the roof has a tile and stuff do you know what those tiles are called <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's called <laughs> kawara, kawara, kawara. So it's kawara yane is that type of tiled roof, which basically means tiled roof. And uh, they're fire resistance. They allow proper uh, ventilation 
and that's why they were very suitable for living in Japan's climate or that type of roof because mm. of the ventilation. Humidity. Yeah. So that is uh, your useless bit of Japanese knowledge that I looked up for this, <laughs> for this episode. There you go. You're welcome. You know, an- another thing that uh, that probably doesn't exist anymore, which is quite similar to samurais, is uh, ninjas. Like a lot of kind of foreigners are really into ninjas as well. Yeah, have you been so, to that ninja, like, uh, what is it, like theme park or something? Ninja Village, right, ninja in uh, Noboribetsu. Yeah, what's that about? Have you been there? I haven't been there, but I've been on a ninja course, and uh, I think you might have been on one as well, uh, round one. <laughs> is it round one? Or, or it might be um, not uh, round cat's one. Eye, the... Cat's eye. It's kind of like a, a, what is that new show called? America's Ninja or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like an assault course. Yeah, where you like, <laughs> yeah, that was many, many years ago. Yeah, I do remember yeah. going on that. Yeah. <laughs> And they have like this it's pretty tough. Like I remember trying it and they have like some one part of the course there was, you know, like two really thin, about two inches thick of plywood mm. against the wall and then you had to balance uh on your feet on one end mm. and then the top end, uh you'd have to use your fingers and try and scoot across, just like gripping onto that two inch bit of wood mm. yeah that was hard probably good if you're a rock climber but um i don't have those i've got kind of girly fingers <laughs> <laughs> even after jiu-jitsu actually i don't know like jiu-jitsu makes your grip really good yeah i reckon it, now i might i might have a a fair bit better now because this was i don't know this was maybe like 10 years ago when i i first did that assault course so i might go back and give it another challenge well, but the other thing that it does, though, is it, like, ruins your knuckles. So you can't always, you don't always have the most uh, dexterity and stuff in your Are you talking about the, the the ninja course? <laughs> I'm talking about, yeah, it would make the ninja course a little bit difficult, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're saying the ninja course makes your knuckles No, I'm worse. saying jujitsu. <laughs> jujitsu does, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I do remember, like, um, I don't know, I mean, there's probably a few listeners that don't know what round one is it's basically like a an ent- a sports entertainment center could you call it that like how would you it's summarize like an, what it is it's like an arcade for adults type theme park indoor thing in michigan they have like something called dave and busters that didn't really have i mean that didn't have like the ninja courses and stuff but it had like a lot of adult Oh, like so you have food. something similar back in America. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't really have these things in, in England. Mm. So, like, when I saw it in Japan, I was uh, I was very impressed because they have, you know, like, the, the top floor was they had, the like, a football court, like a five-a-side football court, basketball court, or half a, half a basketball-sized court. Banning uh, cages. Yeah, banning cages, tennis courts, uh, badminton. And I remember we we used to go quite often, but you know a lot a lot of people kind of go there on dates, like couples go there on dates. They so see a lot of girls kind of doled up, and guys, you know, looking pretty pretty swift. Yeah, um, so it'll be so like, people don't really take it seriously. Yeah, so it'll be like basically when you go in there, it's like a bunch of Japanese couples, and then like a group of foreigners, like 10 foreigners, <laughs> <laughs> looking like a church group, like out <laughs> together. But I remember, like we, but we used to go and we used to kind of, you know, put our sports gear on 
and we we wouldn't take it that seriously, but there was some competitiveness going on. And I remember you, Burke, you were quite quite competitive, especially when it came to football. You were doing like sliding tackles and stuff like that. But <laughs> you never you never really played football, right? Back in America. First of all, I, d- I did play football on the second line. I didn't do any sliding tackles or anything, man. But I do remember like there's also like a big. Uh, Roller skating rink, or like, uh, not roller skates, but what are they called? Like those inline skates? Yeah, roller blades. Yeah, roller blades. There's like a big thing of that. And I remember you, like, you put on like your roller blades and like your elbow pads, and you start like <laughs> taking it super seriously and like bumping the girls like off the track and stuff. But that that was on the mini motorbikes. Do you remember that? They had the mini motorbikes. Oh, yeah, they to had go mini around. motorbikes too. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, yeah, that, that was quite fun. And I remember cutting off my girlfriend at the time oh, really <laughs> and she yeah, and she fell off her bike and got really mad at me <laughs> see so there was some truth to that man yeah there was <laughs> so anyways yeah clay uh clay tiles kawarayana <laughs> roofs in japan and ninjas no more ninjas anymore yeah but much yeah uh so what's number two uh, number two, all Japanese eat rice, mm. and this I think is uh, it's pretty true. I think I don't know any Japanese person that doesn't eat rice. Yeah, and I mean, like in school lunches, like rice is served to everybody as a separate thing. So I mean, I think most people, yeah, eat rice. How about um, you and your family? Like we we eat rice. I would say at least once a day, maybe twice. Uh, maybe like lunch and dinner, but usually dinner is almost 100%. We have a rice dish, either fried rice or regular rice. But yeah, we're, we're constantly eating it. And for me, you know, I grew up in a Chinese family and we ate rice every day as well for yeah. dinner. Yeah, I mean, my current family is basically the same. There's usually rice at every meal. And uh, growing up, uh, rice was kind of like the staple food of our meals except for like on days when we'd have like pasta, then of mm. course we wouldn't eat rice or something. Or if there was like a baked potato in the menu, there wouldn't be like rice that day. But yeah, we kind of ate it all the time. In Japan, they um, what what's kind of strange is they they like to kind of triple down on their carbs. They'll eat like rice and they'll have like maybe a side dish of potatoes and maybe even like a side dish of pasta as well. Yeah. And they don't really see that as uh, an issue. Whereas like foreigners were like, no, you can't eat three different kinds of carbs at the same time. It has to be one or the other. Whereas the Japanese don't really see it that way, which is kind of quite interesting. Yeah, I don't know why they do, or I don't know why like Westerners are kind of concerned about that. But I, I think it's maybe because people think that's what makes them fat. Or something, <laughs> something <laughs> right. or something. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I don't know the reason why, but yeah. The other thing is that um, you know, in the Japanese diet, it's kind of like one of the theories be- or you know ideas behind it is you get your just put a, your nutrients from a lot of different sources. That's why there's like multiple dishes at like every meal. If mm. you're getting um, so maybe if it's like three different types of pasta or bread group or carbohydrate, you know, they don't think like it's the same thing, basically. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's like slight differences between uh, the different kinds of carbs, and they're not having like big portions. So they'll have 
maybe like a a big portion of rice, but usually like the potato would be, I don't know, not even a whole potato, uh, a quarter or something. Um, and the pasta would be like a couple of noodles. So it's not like a full, full on plate of something. Whereas when we eat one of those carbs, it's usually like a, the, the staple of the meal, right? Whereas I don't think they see potatoes and pasta as kind of the staple food when they have dinner. Yeah. Compared to right rice. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I mean, yeah, I think Alex was saying that when he was on his, uh, or Alex or Yuki was saying that when they were talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that actually. I remember when Alex said that. Yeah, like he, he kind of complained about it too, right? Like why why are we in potato, rice, and, uh, and pasta at the same time? But um, yeah, but y- Yuki didn't really see a, a problem with that because she yeah. likes all of them. <laughs> yeah. We uh, recently kind of splurged on like an expensive rice maker for the first time. And uh, I will mm, say nice. it's kind of making the rice differently, but I don't know, maybe by my untrained taste buds, like I wouldn't necessarily call it better tasting rice. But uh, <laughs> do you know that like some of the, you know, everyone kind of knows like Japanese rice cookers, Korean rice cookers, um, you know, have a really good uh, reputation for quality and stuff. So people overseas sometimes will want to buy like a, uh, a a rice cooker from a famous like Japanese big name brand or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a but, lot of. Uh, oh, sorry, Karen. Well, I was just gonna say that I found out that uh, a lot of those big companies uh, for overseas markets. So in Japan, they will sell rice cookers manufactured in Japan up to Japanese quality standards. But for a lot of sales overseas, they like set up set up. Uh, uh, production factories in like China or Thailand or the Philippines, somewhere in Southeast Asia. So a lot of the rice cookers under that brand name that are going to overseas markets are actually, uh, you know, being produced not in Japan but elsewhere and stuff. Oh, so they're not made in Japan rice cookers. They just have the brand. Yeah, so that's why people, when they come to Japan, want to buy a rice cooker. Because sometimes you're like, man, why are they buying that here in Japan? It's just like luggage they got to take home with them, you know? But it's because it's like one made for the Japanese market. So I think there's a lot of uh, brands or uh, consumable goods that are quite similar. Like for example, North Face. So North Face in Japan has their own uh, factories and everything that's designed in Japan. So a lot of the North Face jackets you can't get anywhere else apart from Japan. Mm. So like back in England. Uh, you know they have their North Face as well, or if it's shipped from America or wherever, but you won't see a lot of the the Japanese style jackets abroad because they're they're really into like you know colorful um, designs for the North Face jackets here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know people use it as kind of like a a fashion accessory, right? Whereas like back at home, it's you know all the North Face jackets are kind of like dark, you know blacks and grays and navy blues. You don't really see like bright colors. And uh, and I think that's because of uh, yeah, Japan has their own kind of style. Mm. Mm. Well, this I guess this article's point about the Japanese eating rice is that uh, yeah, people do eat a lot of rice in Japan, but they eat a lot of other stuff. Was the point? Uh, there's a lot of other Japanese dishes and stuff. So I guess that was the point of that number two there. Mm. Well, so it's not they don't only eat rice. They exactly. Eat like, yeah. Everything. Yeah. So what was number three? This one, all Japanese love anime and manga. So the article basically says the most Japanese people probably 
don't uh, read manga or watch anime, that most of the uh, otaku are uh, are actually foreigners. And <laughs> yeah. in my experience, it's kind of true. You know, I haven't met many Japanese people apart from kids or elementary school children that actually like anime or watch anime. Um, I've seen a lot of people read manga, like on subways and in, in public. So I think that is uh, is probably more widespread, uh, like manga rather than anime. Yeah, but like a lot of Japanese, I think they do know like all the different anime and stuff. Probably because, I don't know, it probably gets brought up at school just like any other topic uh, from a young age group or something. But um yeah, so they do kind of know, but they're not. I don't know anyone who's crazy about it. Whereas, like maybe a foreigner who comes to Japan came because of their interest in mm. that type of stuff. So they are showing a little bit more their enthusiasm about anime and stuff. But I will. Were you s- into it? Were you into anime? Just like I think we talked about the, this before. Just like the very well-known ones, right? The Akira, classics. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ninja Scroll stuff like that. Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Um, but I will say I'm surprised that actually how many people do read, um, manga because, Mm. but part of that surprise is, uh, that there's just like manga across like all adult themes as well. So like manga written for an adult audience and stuff about working in an office or something. It's not just about like superheroes, which is like what kind of Western comic books, uh, about right I, I don't know if there are any you know kind of comic books just about regular daily life in in america and england i've never seen one it's always like kind of action-packed like uh you know a martial arts one or something about a hero but yeah like you said in in japan there's there's manga just about you know mundane things like a a salary man like going to work every day and what he gets up to yeah or a housewife yeah, now a lot of yeah. I've said this before, but a lot of the popular um, like television series are based off like a manga series and stuff. So people want to watch it because they read the manga at some point, and mm-hmm. uh, they kind of know already that's a good story. The other thing is like a lot of places you go to, like the barber shop, or like I don't know waiting rooms or the doctor's office or whatever. There's very often like or even at our dojo, there's like a. <laughs> a very large selection of like old manga somebody's like donated to the shop mm. and you can just like pick up one of those and read them while you're waiting to get called or whatever you know mm. the barbershop and stuff so you know it does kind of show up obviously in a little bit uh more often uh instances than it does overseas like manga comics and stuff so yeah for sure yeah it seems to you know like for me reading comic books is kind of quite childish but i think in japan it's not really viewed in that that way, not like is in uh, in Western countries. Yeah, because well, they have all these different genres for adults as well, and a lot of adults do read them. Yeah, and I'm actually that's one of my New Year's resolutions is to read more Japanese this year because I think my Japanese might be getting worse because like my old company, I was like surrounded by people all the time, uh, so I was talking a lot in Japanese like on a day, daily basis and stuff. But my new company is much smaller um so i'm thinking about reading like books and stuff but also uh i'm thinking about maybe picking up one of these adult themed mangas and stuff and see if i can like, get into uh, it like the raimon or something 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've already read all the Doraemon, man. <laughs> I actually got given a, a Doraemon by a student when I first arrived, a Doraemon comic book, because I said I wanted to, you know, obviously improve my Japanese. And, and she said a good place to start is, is Doraemon uh, Japanese because it's just so basic and, and simple. Um, that was like, you know, when I first arrived here, so 13 years ago, and I didn't really know anything. So probably, uh, probably I can not, won't need to read that anymore. I can move on to, to more adult things like uh, Sazai-san or something. Yeah, good, because I'm sick of seeing that Doraemon comic book like on that back pocket <laughs> of your backpack that you put on and walk around everywhere. <laughs> Issue one still. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyways, that's about uh, manga and anime. Mm. yeah what was number four yeah number four this one i don't think i can really talk about this one so much uh all japanese are work slaves because i've never really worked at a japanese company well i worked at a japanese company but only with foreigners in you know the the, che- the teaching industry which um i think is quite different from what this article or this point is actually referring to but like you know you know japanese people that work in japanese companies or maybe you've had foreign students that were salary men or something um mm, yeah, so you yeah. kind of know right yeah I, I i know from the impression that they give me but i haven't actually been inside it whereas you you have like you've worked at a few japanese companies so you can probably um have a you know give a bit more insight into it well, you know, I would I would say uh, that I mean, obviously, this is definitely true. I mean, I, I took this as like there's obviously a lot of Japanese people that don't like their job. Um, I don't know any exactly Japanese person that likes their job. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Unless they own their own business. Yeah, which but, I know quite a few people. But it's kind. Of, I guess like the overseas impression is like Japanese people will work so hard no matter what. And my, mm. I would argue that Japanese people. Uh, work so much because they can't say no is like one reason. Like they'll get an assignment. Like my, some of my previous companies, like I would see people just getting told to do this, do this, and just always like, hi, wakarimashita, hi, wakarimashita. And because like, A, that's, uh, will put you in a good light. Like you're just willing to, you know, without complaining or anything, just take on new work and keep going. But as a re- result of that, obviously like the quality of everything suffers because they're not really focused, you know, on uh, just getting one thing done. And so, you know, that'll obviously just show up in, like, meetings that uh, people are, you know, there'll be a meeting and you'll kind of realize that none of this has really done that well, so the whole meeting will be spent, like, redoing everything that that person was supposed to do in advance anyways and stuff. So, mm. yeah. Uh, also, also, this article was saying that, you know, the... Japanese people work a lot, but they they kind of get compensated for it. I guess it's I'm I'm not really sure what the average kind of salary is, but according to this article, he was saying like when you start off as a graduate recruit, you're making what is it like a thousand thousand to two thousand dollars a month if once you start a company and you're getting. Uh, yearly bonuses and yearly pay rises so if you're there you know until you retire you could you could be making what hundreds of thousands of dollars a year uh i don't know if everyone gets over a hundred thousand dollars a year 
just because they stayed there a long time. But th- you don't think so? Like if they worked there until they retired, you don't think they would be on that kind of salary? No, because no. people at my previous company, not everybody uh, got that level for sure. No, definitely not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing I would like disagree with what this article was saying is that, you know, just like you were explaining, they get like a couple thousand dollars salary or whatever a month. But then it was saying they get like housing allowance and all this other stuff that basically puts new graduates making like five, what did it say on average, like 5000 a month or something? Uh, new graduates was like two two thousand a month. Yeah, like but it was starting off. But it was yeah. saying like after you add in like all the housing allowance and everything. Oh right, yeah. Or I yeah. guess actually that's uh, did that come up in this one or the next one about Japan being expensive? Yeah, it, yeah. There's the next Japan one about- being expensive. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. So come up to yeah, roughly two thousand. All right, yeah, four to five thousand dollars a month once yeah. you uh. By the time they're thirty though. They were saying that what that what the article was saying. Yeah, but I don't know if that's true either, man. Because again, like at some previous companies, uh, yeah, I don't know a lot of people that are in their thirties not making that much. Right. It sounds like this would be maybe for in Tokyo someone, or something. Yeah, maybe someone working in Tokyo and for like a big company. So this is like the ideal kind of job that some that a Japanese person aspires to. Yeah, but that's which, what. I'm- uh, that's what I'm saying. Like some of my companies, one was a uh, mid-sized company. One was one of the largest in Japan and stuff. And uh, not everybody in their 30s, I don't think, was making this mm. much. So, Do you think that's because it was Sapporo or Hokkaido? That definitely could have been part of it, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, maybe if then they were, they were in Tokyo, but... I mean, that basically, I mean, that's kind of the um, what they say about Japan, right? Like everyone in the company, including the people at the top, usually have like a depressed salary level compared Mm. to foreign countries and that's why the company can do quite well because they can uh keep personal expenses much lower and everything right right so they're actually not getting paid that well either and working a lot um especially overtime i mean it says you know that there's i mean it's by law right that they're supposed to finish work at what six o'clock five thirty six o'clock by law right but no one kind of follows that yeah, I mean, it's getting better. And now, like, COVID and telework and everything has changed a lot, but maybe none of it will actually stick. That remains to be seen. But, mm. uh, but yeah, uh, up until this point, for sure. Um, right, A lot right. of people doing unpaid overtime. Yeah, yeah. But kind So, of- basically, all Japanese are kind of like work slaves, <laughs> in <laughs> summary. <laughs> <laughs> to a degree, yeah. I mean, it depends on the company. There's a lot of companies that are different now. I definitely don't yeah. feel like that. I guess it depend, depends on your boss, doesn't it? Yeah, and also yeah. just the company's style of doing things. If it's a very traditional company, obviously you're going to feel like a slave. Mm, yeah, 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 that's right. But what about that last one that I kind of jumped ahead to talking about salary? I mean, this the whole, what was number five, that all Japanese are rich and everything in Japan is freaking expensive. Yeah, again, my impression, the average Japanese person is not that rich. But they do save, like, a lot of their money. Not mm. everyone now, you know. Have you um, have you met any, like, really rich Japanese people? Uh, Yeah, I mean, like, uh, first year I was here teaching in a... Japanese or uh, big Japanese language school like one of the students uh he was like in his 20s and his parents 
owned like a bunch of restaurants around Sapporo. I can't remember what their main work was. It might have been like cement or something. Mm, and he had like yeah, a really right. nice apartment, Siskino, and nice apartment up on or their house, like up in Mariama or whatever. It was really nice. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I've met probably a similar situation as you, like having rich students um, wanting to study English. So I had one student and her, I think her parents owned their own hospital. Mm. So they were like doctors. She she wasn't a doctor, but she worked at a hospital as, I don't know, front desk or something like that. Um, she was single in her 40s and she kind of like fell in love with me yeah, I was gonna she, ask, man, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, so she fell in love with you, and then, and then how old were you at the time? Uh, I was twenty, twenty-five, <laughs> and she was, yeah. Hey, man, there's those types of there's that that type of situation happens, man. Yeah, well, my my boss kept trying to push me to you know, be you know, go out with her on in my free time and stuff to to make her take more lessons in at the school, but she ended up. Um, having private lessons with me every day <laughs> really so we got we got kind of close like in terms of friend friendly wise like not not a not in a romantic situation Uh-oh. but yeah like she um she started playing tennis because i was into tennis and i i told her like it would be good for losing weight and keeping fit and stuff so she started playing tennis with you um no no like <laughs> she kept asking me to play <laughs> but <laughs> but she was um she was a beginner and I, I kept making that excuse was like, oh, I don't think you're good enough to play with me yet. So, you know, once you get better, I'll play with you kind of thing, you know. Um, but yeah, we, we never got around to playing. We never got around to playing. And then, you know, by the time uh, kind of I was ready to play, then uh, then I quit the job. And then, yeah, we kind of lost contact after that. But she was, a, she, was a, she was an interesting student. Did she just like show up to class with like tennis rackets and stuff? <laughs> yeah sometimes she did <laughs> yeah sometimes i didn't believe her like if she actually really played tennis or not because she wasn't in the the tennis player shape if you know what i mean she's a bit like a like an apple <laughs> i think i'm not I gonna say know, her name i think i might know who you're talking about <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah well do you know i was just gonna say like there's a foreigner i think you may know him too and support rumor has it like he married uh, some rich woman just to divorce her a few years later, but to try to get some money out of it or something. Have you ever heard that story? No, I haven't heard that. In Sapporo? Yeah, yeah. And what happened? Uh, I think he succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> really? But I think he put like more than just a few years into it, I think, just a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not like decades or anything, but yeah. So he did it literally just to get the money. Yeah, the guy doesn't have the best reputation even amongst like, you know, foreigners and stuff. So <laughs> I, I won't mention who it is, but yeah. <laughs> tell me tell me later on. I, I don't I don't know him that well, so I can't really vouch it even if he has money or doesn't have money or if that's a true story or not, but that's what I heard. <laughs> that's what I heard during one drunk night from somebody, I don't know. Mm, Anyways. Yeah, I, I definitely haven't heard that. Yeah, but well, anyways, would you agree with this last point that this article was making that things in Japan are are all Japanese? Well, we talked about rich, but everything in Japan is expensive. What's your impression there? I don't think um, everything in Japan is freaking expensive, but there are things that are way more expensive than in, say, say in England or America. And I think we've spoke about this before, for example, like fruit, 
yeah strawberries in particular um i think you know in a supermarket now you can buy it's like nine strawberries beautifully lined up in some very nice wrapping and they cost about I don't know, 1,500 15, 1, yen. <laughs> wow. What's that? $15, right? For like nine strawberries. I mean, they're big strawberries, but I don't know if they're going to really taste that much better than uh, a cheaper strawberry. Yeah. Do you know what we did for New Year's? Well, we didn't even talk about New Year's, but one thing that we did is uh, I bought like a super big, expensive mascot. Uh, mascot oh, the grapes. Grapes. Yeah. Actually, I ordered them on first on Furosato Noze. Like yeah. last minute, like December 29th, I'm doing my Frito Satonose for the whole year. And I ordered, so anyways, I was thinking about them. And then I went to Daimaru to pick up some food on uh, New Year's Eve. And uh, I walked by that and I was like, man, it's New Year's dinner. I got buy one of those. Man, they d- definitely taste different. <laughs> <laughs> you hope they taste different. How much did you pay? Oh, uh, they were uh, Roxanne, so they were 6,000 oh, yen. What? For like a bunch of grapes, right? Yeah, each one is like, you know, a miniature apple size about or something. So it's like you get like two bites out of each one. <laughs> and uh, the whole bunch is pretty uh, big as well. So it like lasted like two or three days, two and a half days or something. 6,000 yen. Was it, do you think it was worth it? I've never spent that much on grapes before. I've seen, um, I guess, smaller ma- mascato. Was it muscat? Yeah. Um, grapes, um, probably not as big as the ones you saw, but they cost around, yeah, 1,500 yen. This is the ones that I've paid for that I kind of splashed out one time. But, yeah, not 6,000 yen. Well, I'm not um, doing that all the time. <laughs> this is the last, <laughs> last day of uh, 2020 or something, celebrating yeah. the exit. But, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that's the thing, though. So if somebody's going to do it, I might recommend – trying to get them through Furosatonose instead of like paying 6,000 yen because mm. at least Furosatonose you get some more benefit. So Right, right. And th- there are a lot of, you know, expensive fruits, but there's a lot of really cheap food in Japan too that I've found that it's even, you know, cheaper than back at home. Like you can, like Japanese fast food is really cheap, you know, like a, like a gyudon or a, a meat bowl. What's that, like 300 yen? For for one of those is like is like the cheapest one I think for yeah, a small yeah I mean well that's which the is thing like crazy you can, I don't think you can get anything like that in England anymore you know you go, go to a restaurant and have something that cheap maybe McDonald's but not like a not like a you know a full rice bowl dish yeah well the, the I mean that's a kind of in that same vein like any kind of restaurant you go to in Japan uh, I mean you're eating Japanese food for a lot less than you'd probably be paying for it living in another country. And it's like authentic tasting and stuff. So if you think about things that way, <laughs> then it's definitely a lot cheaper to uh, a lot of the food and stuff. Restaurant mm-hmm. I mean, there's obviously expensive restaurants in Japan too, but if you just yeah. get like a bowl of soba or something, uh, yeah, right, yeah, it'd be a lot more expensive than just and not taste probably as good as just getting it, you know, at the corner shop here in Sapporo yeah. or something. So alcohol, alcohol is pretty cheap. Well, alcohol can be cheap everywhere, right? Like in you know, back at home, you can buy a, a pound can of super strong, crappy beer that'll get you drunk that mainly homeless people drink. And here you get the, what is it, like the four-liter bottles of shochu for like $10, which will last you, I guess, depending on how much you drink, but it'll last you a long time. Yeah. So Japan is the alcoholic's paradise, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that was the end of the, was that the end of the list? 
that was the end of the list. There was a there was a bonus one um, at the end where right. he said, uh, I don't know if it's a he or a she, but all Japanese understand Chinese because the characters are similar. Mm. And that's a definite no. Yeah, but um, while I was reading this, I was thinking about like the Japanese proficiency test and how much more of an advantage like Chinese uh, students have. Right, it seems to work the other way around. Like it, it helps... The Chinese people to re- to understand Japanese, but it doesn't help the Japanese people to understand Chinese. Yeah, that's why I was basically agreeing with because it did say like, um, you know, it's kind of explaining that uh, it might work one way for the you know Chinese, but then it said vice versa too. It uh, doesn't work the same way either way. Or no, yeah, that both neither side has an advantage for the language was what this was claiming. This person. Well, actually, so actually my Chinese. Yeah, well, my mum, you know, we're Chinese, and when she came to Japan, she could read all the food menus. Yeah, see, so that's yeah. another example. Just like I was thinking about, like on the proficiency test. Mm, right. Yeah. So they. Yeah, I mean, before I guess the old test, there was kind of less. Uh, what was it kind of communicative uh, aspects in the test? So the Chinese would be able to pass easier just by being able to read read the kanji because i think once they can if it's just like a kanji test they don't even have to study basically but if there's any what hiragana or katakana involved then that's probably the only studying they really need to do and uh, and listening of course yeah grammar is different as well so another reason why reading itself is difficult right both ways Mm, yeah yeah well well Looks like we covered uh, everything in that article. I think so, man. Mm. Again, pretty interesting. Check it out, jpninfo.com. Yep, I'll put a link in the, in the description later on for any listeners that want to uh, want to read that article. It's very interesting. And uh, if anyone would like to uh, leave us a donation, they can... Uh, Buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. Is that right, Bert? Buymeacoffee.com? I think so, yeah. I mean, there's a link for it uh, in the show notes. Yep. Or if you really want to help us out, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. That would really help us out. iTunes or Apple Podcasts is, uh, is the best place to, to do that, to really help boost our numbers and get more listeners uh, to the show. Yeah, man. Would definitely appreciate that. But... Uh, yeah, just thanks for uh, listening to the show and supporting it. Uh, we, you know, it's been a good opportunity for the show to continue to grow, and we hope it keeps going that way. Yep. Thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Goodbye. This episode was brought to you by the Red House in Rizutsu. And what a great time to be heading out to Rizutsu Ski Resort this winter. They get in tons of snow. They had like a meter of snow falling over the, the New Year's holidays. So lots of powder. Yeah, it was awesome. I went there a few times. Um, so if you're visiting Rizutsu Ski Resort, check out the Red House. It's a restaurant uh, features a mix of Japanese, Asian fusion, and Western-style dishes, including shabu-shabu with wagyu beef and or Hokkaido wagyu beef. 
Uh, it's located just across the main road and it's behind the Seiko Mart convenience store. So quite easy to find. It's open winter and summer, 12 to 3 p.m. for lunch, 5 to 9 p.m. for dinner, with prices ranging from under 1,000 yen to about 5,000 yen. So check out the redhouse.jp for more information.